Welcome to Shatter by Rockwell Automation Women in the Field. We're your hosts, Olivia Robertson and Corinne Pellish. Sydney Salazzo joins us today as we talk through identifying your career strengths and building your own personal board of directors. Well, here we are again. Shatter is making waves. Uh, we've been live for a couple weeks now, so it's just been a, a fun journey for Olivia and I. Um, so Olivia, how are you? Oh, doing well today. Good. Oh, that's very good. You've got a surprise, you know, helicopters above your head with the recent events, but you're doing fine. <laughs> yeah. Turns out I had um, a not so nice event happen earlier this morning on a intersection right near my house. So there's uh, been helicopters circling. So they went away. So I think we're okay. But right. for a little bit there, I'm like, oh, oh no, no, I might have to grab a closet. <laughs> so <laughs> Perfect. Well, yeah. what- oh, day's work. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's introduce our guest today. Uh, we have Sydney Salazzo with us, and we just want to give you a quick little background as to who she is. So Sydney has been at Rockwell Automation so long that her first smartphone was a two-way pager. Over the course of her 20-plus year career, she has worked in a variety of roles, including sales and sales leadership, industry business development, field marketing, and now in sales enablement which is an organization which focuses on the success of the sales organization by defining sales strategies and sales force design, providing competency programs, developing commercial messaging, implementing modern sales processes, and managing change. Sydney enjoys the diversity of roles and responsibilities she gets to interact with on a daily basis. Everything from senior leadership to marketing to sales and sales leadership to HR, operations, commercial, domain experts, project managers, product managers, IT, literally everyone in this giant company that is Rockwell Automation. She particularly loves any chance to be on stage, whether it's presenting a business strategy to 800 plus partners at Partner Network Conference or singing karaoke in a dive bar. Sydney, welcome to Shatter. Welcome. Thanks for coming Thank on. Thank you both for having me. We're so excited to have you here. It's just been a fun ride and you're still in our early season here so we're thrilled i'm honored honored that you selected me to be part of this so karaoke in a dive bar sydney do you have a go-to song what what's your main main theme you go to well um i definitely do and i know this is a podcast so you can't see my hair but uh if you look me up on linkedin uh or if you know me it's big and curly, and uh, my go-to karaoke song is Proud Mary, and not the Creedence Clearwater revival version, but the Ike and Tina Turner version, and it is uh, complete with dance moves, which is mostly why I like it. Um, it mm-hmm. it's, it's epic. It's, it's, my, it's my go-to. <laughs> I love it. That so is every so time, <laughs> Every time that song. Do you have a backup song just in case they don't have it? <laughs> I mean, they usually do. I have been known to do um, It's Tricky by Run DMC. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Opposite ends of the spectrum there. But hey, we love the versatility. There's a lot of sharing already. (laughs) (laughs) That's a stage, you know? (laughs) Pretty much. So is that outgoingness something that you've always had and been willing to go up there and just take the stage? Or is that something you learned? 
You know what? As a as a child, I was fairly shy. I remember, um, you know, going down to you know my parents and my said my little sister who was four years younger than me and I to the corner store to get some milk. And I, you know, I'd be like twelve years old and handing her the money so she could you know pay and negotiate. I don't know. I think I just over time um, in college got more confident and got more comfortable with who I was and being myself and. Now um, I've been told at times I'm a little too authentic. So <laughs> what you see is what you get, and I, uh, I, you know, don't I'm not ashamed. I'm 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 just myself, and I'm always myself, whether you know I'm talking to um, anybody. And 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 uh, that's that one of the things that I, I guess I feel most proud of is being comfortable in my own skin. I love it. Yeah, I've always admired you for that. The first time I even met you, you were like, what's going on? Tell me about everything. And I'm like, are we allowed to share this at work? And you're like, yeah, you got to bring your whole self to work. And it was an amazing thing that you did. So I love it. Um, But today you're the director of sales enablement for Rockwell. Can you walk us through, you know, briefly your career and how you found yourself here? Yeah, so I um I came to Rockwell um, as an intern uh, originally, and uh, came to the company purely through nepotism. So um, I had a uncle who went to University of Madison in Milwaukee. So I mean, in Ma- University of Madison in Wisconsin, and so had friends in Milwaukee. And um, one of his college roommates and best friends happened to be a former senior vice president of ours. And so he basically said, my, my niece is in engineering and she needs an internship, give her a job. And, and that's how I started. And, uh, you know, at that point, um, I was in my, I just finished my second year, I guess my first year of college um, and was into the engineering thing and didn't really know what I wanted to be with my engineering degree. I didn't really have a, a path. And I, I was opened up to this whole world of technical sales over the summer and it really turned my head around. I'm like, so you mean I could get an engineering degree, but then I get to spend all day uh, out on the road and talking to customers and, and helping them you know, solve their business challenges. And instead of sitting in an office designing yes. stuff and calculating, I'm like, that's the job for me. And so uh, the rest is kind of history. I um I joined and went through the sales training program, spent most of my career in, you know, frontline customer-facing sales. Um, I had an amazing opportunity to do a, a short-term international relocation work outside of North America in our, our Hong Kong office uh, in Asia Pacific for a year. Oh, cool. And um, I've come back and yeah, that was so cool. It was, it was amazing. And the then came back and um, just stayed in sales for a while, moved over to field marketing um, for four years, and then I'm back in more of a headquarters sales function. Uh, so I went from field sales back into more headquarters sales, um, and, and suddenly I'm here. <laughs> it's, it's been an amazing ride, and I've moved six times and just worked in a, a bunch of different offices, so I've kind of got a, a wide network of people, not only around the United States, but around the globe of contacts that I've met over the years, and uh, it's a it's phenomenal uh, company to work for, so it's been, it's been a great ride. That's incredible. Yeah, all super awesome opportunities. I couldn't even imagine being in Hong Kong. That would be an experience for a lifetime. So you're extremely successful as we just heard from all of your different roles and everywhere that you've been within the company. Can you give us any stories or uh, firsthand accounts of maybe something that didn't really go so well along your journey? Any bumps or bruises that you may have (laughs) been a learning experience? Yeah, this is, 
humiliating, but I'm going to share this anyway. Um, so uh, as, as Corinne said in my intro, I didn't get a smartphone when I started because it was that long ago. So I had a two-way pager. And um, when you would make sales calls back then, you had um, – you know, either an atlas of the roads you were going on, or, you know, I remember printing out pages from mapquest.com to map my route and like, you know, trying to navigate driving and everything. But in any case, I was in, um, I think I was in sales training uh, at the time, and we were uh, told to go make cold calls. So uh, if you're not in a sales role, that's basically you're going and ringing the doorbell of a customer that is not expecting you, <laughs> is not happy to see you, and, um, you know, nowadays, I don't even think they would ever let you in, but, you know, back in the, the early 2000s, it was maybe a possibility. So you'd go and at least get it, you know, the, the goal was to get in the door, but maybe you'd at least get a business card or name of somebody you could then set up a proper appointment with. Either way, I was terrified. And so I got to this, this customer, whoever it was, I don't remember the account place. And um, a lot of things, as I said, were, were paper back then. And so I was I was packing my wares. I had whatever brochure I was going to go in and talk to them about. And you keep the, kept those in your trunk in a, in a crate because you had to, or, like a milk crate, you had to organize your stuff. And so I go in and I get denied, you know, that I'm, at, I'm, I'm there and they're like, yeah, you don't have an appointment. You know, I don't even remember if I got the name of the person, but I was so nervous coming back to my vehicle. I went to go put my brochure back in my trunk and locked my keys in the car. <laughs> So, <laughs> no, again, my pager is not going to save me. Um, I don't know where I am because I'm on this field assignment. I don't even know what roads or how I got here or how I could maybe go to get help. So the only thing I could do aside from sit in the parking lot and freak out um, and probably cry was go back into this customer that just oh literally kicked me out and ask <laughs> if I could use their phone <laughs> to call for help. I'm like, I don't even know who I called. Did I call the police? Like somebody had to break into right. my car because my keys were in my trunk. So um, yeah, I, hopefully, you know, now there's all these things that you can unlock your car with your phone and, you know, fobs and, you know, I don't think this is just like not a modern day problem, but either way, humiliating oh <laughs> early, <gosh>. early on. <laughs> so the real question is when you went back into the customer, did you end up getting a contact then? <laughs> Second time. No, I think they just, I mean, they felt so bad for me. They're, I think they put me in a conference room because I'm sure I was a disaster. Like, <laughs> they're like, why too. don't you go sit over here until somebody comes? Like, they, they took good care of me. So, oh you know, God. that's probably a benefit of being a, a young woman in this, yeah. this capacity, too, that they're like, oh, you poor, you poor thing. You come in here until you're ready to leave. You don't have to wait out in the cold. <laughs> you sit down. You'll be fine. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you for sharing that. Oh, that is, that is quite the experience. This podcast episode is brought to you by Rock Automation Factory Talk Innovation Suite, powered by PTC. Gaining value from your production and IIoT data requires specialized industry expertise and an end-to-end solution. The information locked in these data streams can transform how you manage your operations, solve issues, and adapt to change. But managing that data and making it useful for the right purposes at the right place and time is no easy task. Let us partner with you on your digital transformation journey to help you bring the connected enterprise to life. Reduce your costs, improve your users' experience, and get more from your maintenance and training efforts with Rock Automation's Factory Talk Innovation Suite, powered by PTC. The discussion today is really going to center around finding and leveraging strengths to take your career to the next level. 
How early on in your career, Sydney, did you start to really identify and leverage your strengths? So here at Rapp Automation, I would characterize our career philosophy as pretty straightforward. So uh, each individual really owns their career, um, developing their own development plan, uh, identifying measures of success, and really navigating where you want to go. Um, I think, you know, something that's overlooked um, is that it really takes time and focus and, and energy to do this. Mm -hmm. And so as, as the individual, there's no superhero that's going to fly in and tap you on the shoulder and, 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 you know, swoop you up and say, oh, we want you to go do this. Um, you really have to own that as, as the individual and, and you'd be responsible for that. Um, you know, you're, you're not alone, but and your manager's there to support you. And, um, you know, we also have, it's very, you know, fortunate for us, a extremely open leadership policy. So anyone can really send mm -hmm. any of our senior leaders a invitation um, to have a career discussion. But, you know, that being said, with that open door policy, they're going to ask you some questions if you, if you do go ahead and do that, right? They're, they're going to want to know, um, and you're going to have to do some preparation around what, you know, what do you like to do and what parts of the business are you interested in? And, you know, what, what you know, where, where do your passions lie so that they can help add value? Because otherwise for them, it's, it's like a cold call, right? They don't really have a lot, probably they haven't had a lot of experience working with you. And um, that might help them give you some, you know, advice or guidance. And so, you know, I think, you know, in order to, to dive into some of those conversations, the, the number one is, competence in your current role is, is, is just table stakes. You know, you, you've got to be killing it and crushing it to even be, you know, thinking about um, navigating a career to begin with. So mm -hmm. uh, keep, keep doing a great job in your current role. Um, and then when you, you get that audience, you know, don't be afraid to talk about what you've done and what you've accomplished. And, uh, you know, we, we sometimes as women can feel, you know, um, shy about that. And we use words like we and the team versus I and me and, you know, um, don't want that center of attention, but it ain't bragging if you can back it up. So I think, you know, you know, sharing um, what you what you've done, um, you know, with those leaders and letting them know it's, it's not tooting your own horn. It's, it's advocating for yourself and, and mm -hmm. they're not aware of your accomplishments. Um, and, you know, I think through all of that and doing that searching and that preparation for some of those conversations, you really need to be able to identify like what is your uniqueness? What do you do better than anyone else? Mm -hmm. um, and what, where do your passions lie? What lights your fire and gets you going? And if you can somehow marry those two things, I think that's the ultimate goal, right? Is that, you know, what are you passionate about? What do you love to do and your job? I mean, that's, that's the dream right there. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we, we all have different strengths and as an individual, you need to be acutely aware of what yours are and go tell everybody about it. No, I love that. That's a great point. And all too often we do use we, I, I say we all the time and I'm talking about mm -hmm. me yeah. all the time. And it probably sounds like I have multiple personalities to some people. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, no, and you was, used we, even if you did like 90% of it, it's still yes. we, right? Like, yes. Flip over to I. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Let's, so that's a good check because we do need to be our biggest advocate, especially when you are, mm -hmm. if you have a dream and where you want to go, you need to be advocating for your success. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and all too often as women, we tend to not take responsibility for our own team. Well, not even just our team, our, so our own <laughs> actions within the team for certain. And like, you'll have our male counterparts that'll be like, yeah, it was all me. We did great. <laughs> or, I did great. I did it. Yeah, you did it right there <laughs> so, by accident. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not personifying a male well enough. <laughs> I did everything. Everyone else did nothing. It was all, it was all me. It was all my ideas. It was all my results. (laughs) Thanks for my support team, except they really weren't there. So it was fine. But so naturally as women too, we do tend to focus on our weaknesses more often than our strengths. Is there anything that you can suggest that our listeners do to help flip their perspective from looking at just their weaknesses and really being able to advocate their strengths? Yeah, so this this is something um, that I've I've done uh, twice for for the last two positions that I I was able to get here at Rockwell Automation, and um, it's it's something I've given advice to a few other people as well, and and it's helped them land uh, positions that they wanted to. But um, it's the idea and concept behind it is you know your your resume shows you on a piece of paper, right, and it's mm-hmm. kind of sequential jobs and, you know, you might have a couple bullets there around key accomplishments, um, but it's really very linear and it doesn't, um, you're making people have to go through a lot of hard work to try to glean information out of it in that format to say, well, what is this person really good at? What have they actually done? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've got these requirements of this job that I'm, I'm interviewing for. How do they even match up with what I'm looking for? And so the, the concept is to take that resume, blow it up, turn it on its head, and think about, you know, what are, have you done throughout all those positions and categorize them into a summary of strength. So, um, you know, just like a job might be looking for your ability to influence. Well, you might have done, you might have had to do that in three or four different jobs. Take all of those things and put it into one category around this is my ability to influence. I did this, this, and this. And even though it's across different roles, it just, it makes it a little bit more um, obvious about the skills that you have and takes it away from, you know, like um, just, you know, generic resume to, all right, you know, yes, you know, Sydney has a strong ability to influence and she has, you know, great leadership perspective and she, you know, has done, you know, things strategically. And this is the Mm -hmm. body of work across her entire career versus, one job to the next and trying to mix and decide, you know, what was in there and what fits the job description they're looking for. So how do you find that? I get asked that a lot too, right? So if you're, you're looking for a position um, that some of it could be in the job description. Um, There could be some information in there. Um, Also, hopefully you're, you've spoken with the hiring manager beforehand and you've, you've got some, you know, what, uh, you, know, in, you know, actual input and feedback from them about the types of skills that they're looking for, the types of work um, that they, that the that job requires. And then you can talk to, you know, in the, the peers in the role too, if you have some, and, you know, people that work with and interact to really try to understand what does it take to be successful in this job and then cater your summary just of strengths to that. You don't have to talk about everything that you're good at, but make it so obvious that, you know, the, the experiences that you've had, the things that you're really good at, tie directly into the things that they're looking for. So, of course, you're still going to have to submit a resume as well as standard <laughs> um, business practice. 
But I always send that also in addition and in advance and say, look, you know, I think this is, this is me. This is what I can do. This is what I can bring to the role. And the second benefit is it really helps you prepare for the job interview itself. Mm -hmm. um, because now you're like, you know what? I, yeah, ask me anything. I'm ready. You know, I'm ready. I've got, you know, four stories about how, right. you know, I, I influenced others that weren't direct reports or, you know, whatever those categories might be. That's a great point. Cause I feel all too often, you know, as you are building that resume, you do, you put things in silos, right? You're like, when I right. was, you know, a frontline seller of like, of course you learned how to lead with influence or, um, you know, um, develop a strategic you know, plan for an opportunity. And those are things you put in your toolbox, but you're going to use that in your next role. But we do, we categorize. We're like mm, frontline seller. Okay. Now maybe sales manager mm -hmm. or, you know, team lead, whatever you're doing at that time. Um, but to flip that on its head and say, yep, here's three great examples of this category is that's a really neat idea. Yeah. It, it takes time to do, but it's certainly worth it. And then, you know, once you kind of have that, that base document done, you can keep adding to it as you have additional experiences. And so, you know, the, the first part, like writing your first resume takes, takes some time. Way um, too but long. then, <laughs> yes. yeah, you keep, keep tweaking it and then reorder, you know, reprioritize for different roles, you know, what you think that manager is looking for or build entirely new categories. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely an exercise I would, I would recommend. No, that's fantastic. And to add on to that, so doing that self-introspection work on resume and how to build up your, um, your strengths through some of your past experiences, a couple episodes ago on Shatter, we discussed this idea of the importance of intentional mentorship. And Cindy, you and I personally have had a lot of conversations around mentorship. In fact, you were my first mentor uh, while I was in the sales training program, which was incredible. Um, so within Rockwell, you've been a part of a variety of mentor circles. So whether it's with the Professional Women's Council or PWC, which is an employee resource group, um, you've, you've been part of these circles to help empower and um, help basically, you know, build out something more than just the self, you know, reflection piece of things. Can you walk us through this full idea of a mentor circle and, and why you should find it beneficial? Yeah, I think, um, you know, just a quick note about mentorship, maybe first before I share with you what the circle is and the intent of that is, you know, when I, when I joined um, early in my career, there, there were certainly not as many women in field sales as there are now, which is a wonderful to see. But, um, you know, people would keep telling me, oh, you should get a mentor, you need a mentor. And, you know, I honestly can say I've never really had one, like there's not like that one person um, that I, you know, really connected with. Um, and, and so I would get assigned people, right? Like, oh, this person could be your mentor. And, um, you know, without having that that connection and that ability to you know somebody I that I would pick to learn a lot from and trust and develop that relationship with it it became really challenging and you know sometimes you get assigned just because of gender and that's not necessarily yep. the best match right. either right yep. um, that often. so the, yeah all the time and so the the professional women's council came up with this concept of these menstrual circles and um, the idea is to get a, you know, a cross-functional group of peers from different parts of the organization that are at a, you know, at a similar level um, where, 
you know, you just meet casually and, and, and we, we, our group formed maybe two years ago. And, and now I think there's eight of us in my mentor group. Um, we meet once a month and we just get together and chat. And so sometimes there's something um, topical that somebody has to, to bring up that they want to talk about, um, you know, something going on in their life or, you know, boss drama or some personal struggle they're going through. Um, other times we just, we have this uh, stack of cards that we, you know, just like maybe pull from and say, what's your perspective on this? Um, but it's, it's been really great because we're all from different parts of the organization. Um, it, you know, there's, it's just, you know, peers working together. We talk about successes and failures and actually um, one person has since retired from Rockwell and she still comes back on this, this once a month. Um, to, to, to join us for, for lunch and this, you know, this connection. And uh, it's just a, it's a great group. It's, you know, therapy, it's a safe place. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we, we just talk about everything and we've transitioned to virtual in, in COVID too. Actually, we had our, our lunch yesterday, even though it was, you know, on a, on cameras and not all together, but still, still, still great. That's so great. It's important to keep that alive. I love the idea too, that it's, the same level of women within the organization and from all different groups, because then you can really leverage asking them being like, Hey, I was looking at this position that may be closer to one of the other women's roles. And it's like, Oh, maybe they'll have a better opinion on it before I go for it. Absolutely. And I yeah, feel like we use we it professionally it. too. Yeah. Just to talk about different groups and different organizations. Hey, what's going on with this? And you know, yeah. so it's, it's, it's fun. Sometimes we put our blinders on, right? I mean, most of the connections I know are within, you know, global sales and marketing. And so it's extremely powerful to open that up and share the successes and failures with, um, with people who maybe have had the same experiences just in a different role. So it's refreshing. And then to challenge you to say, you know, this happens everywhere. This isn't just a Corinne issue or whatever, you know, to help validate that. Yep. Right. So internal, you definitely have the mentoring circle that helps you and kind of can help guide you with, but oftentimes we're going to people outside of our work lives and maybe in our personal lives, family members, friends, other people. Um, can you walk us through the idea of creating and having what we would call a board of directors by including all these other people in your life? Yeah, that's, that's actually one of the first things, the first topics we did in the mentor circle when we were first getting started um, was, was, you know, do some research on what does this personal board of directors uh, concept mean? And it's not something, you know, that was invented at Rockwell. It's, you know, Google it. <laughs> There's a yeah. lot of information out there. Um, but, you know, and, and we forced ourselves to go through and, and develop and, and write it down. Um, and, you know, we, we had some templates. But I think the first couple of meetings, we were still working on that and through that. But um, it was very powerful. So the, the concept of the board of directors is a, a group of people that you consult regularly to get advice and feedback. And it's uh, particularly relative to career development or um, your own personal development. And, um, you know, people you want to ask for advice and feedback or just, you know, that you need a sounding board or if you're thinking about making, you know, a, a big impactful decision mm -hmm. that you can get, um, you know, their input from. But, you know, and they might have different skills than, than things that you have, um, that, you know, where they have strengths, you might have gaps or weaknesses. So you can, you know, count on them and leverage them for things like that. Um, 
but yeah, so you know, they could be they could be outside of our industry. They could be both within the company and um, you know, as from a mix of former managers, people that you trust, um, you know, friends and advocates, as well as you know, outside of the company, people in your personal life. So I know, you know, just on mine, I I have two cousins, and they're both in professionals, but. One is a senior vice president at NBC, nothing to do with automation. The other is a, you know, a director of marketing at McDonald's, nothing to do with automation. But just be from their own professionalism, mm-hmm. I, I talk to them all the time. I'm just, you know, totally different industries um, and getting their feedback on, on a lot of things. So that's just an example of diversity that you want in your, in your board of directors. But so we went through and actually wrote it down. Um, and there's a ton of templates out there if you, again, Google it. Uh, the different types of people you might seek and what, and it makes you figure out like, what would I go to this person for? What type of advice or, um, you know, thought leadership would I be asking them about to see where you might have additional gaps as you, as you lay it all out. Like if, if all of yours are in sales, for an example, that might be, you know, a gap. You don't have a lot of diversity there. So you need some other perspective. So uh, it's, it's a, it's a great exercise. Um, and then, you know, depending on your comfort level, you can tell people that they're on their, your, your board of directors or not, you know, how much you're willing to share. Um, and then, you know, what cadence you need to meet with them. Maybe it's just around, again, those big, you know, lar- large decisions, or it's just, you know, a friendship that you maintain mm-hmm. and connect with um, at, at different cycles. And they don't have to be all equal. So, you know, I, re- I really um, would encourage everyone to do this, whether you formalize it and, and tell people that they're on it or just think about it for your, your own development and your own well-being of, you know, who do I really trust? Who am I going to, you know, go to when I, when I have um, or need advice or have a big decision to make? Right. And it's so important to have all these different perspectives outside Mm -hmm. the industry as well, because I feel like we typically get into a little bit of a bubble within ourselves where a lot of our customers or people that we might be reaching out to have similar trends or they're seeing similar things in their companies as ours. So being able to get the perspective from other industries, other parts of um, other professional people um, can really stretch your thinking, a different approach to your questions you're asking yourself about Absolutely. your career. And that brings us to a great point. You know, that, that trust layer that you just brought up, Sydney, is so crucial as you build out that personal board of directors. And there's a powerful quote from Julie Sandler uh, that goes, you don't want people who tell you that you're right. You want them to tell you the truth. You want them to be tough on you. So can you speak to a time when your personal board of directors help provide a unique perspective or open your eyes to a, a new opportunity that you'd never thought you'd consider? Oh, gosh, uh, certainly. Um, so one of um, the people on my board of directors has retired now. He's been gone for a couple of years, but we, we still, still keep in touch. But he was my manager at the time, and uh, we had recently moved to Minnesota, where my husband and I had, you know, no family there, and uh, I, I just had a baby, and again, was freaking out about coming back to work and being a new mom and living alone and missing my baby and, uh, you know, trying to figure out this work-life integration for the first time, and, um, you know, I came back to work from maternity leave, and, and my boss approached me uh, to take over a team lead position. And I was like, I'm, I know you had the opening. I wasn't even thinking about applying. You know, I, I, I 
I had had this baby and I didn't, you know, I don't think I had a hundred percent of the qualifications and um, you know, I, my husband was the manager and I was really set in my mind that I would just, you know, for the rest of my life, you know, as he got promoted, I'd bump around and figure out, you know, someone would take me, I could sell anything, you know, (laughs) he'll take me in any sales office, any sales capacity. He didn't didn't even need a job. He'd find one for me. I was good. I was always guaranteed a job no matter where we went. And he, you know, really looked at me and he said, you, you need to stop following my husband's name is Tony. You need to stop following Tony around and you need to take this role. And I, so I, I you know, I really think about um, that moment often. And he, yeah, again, I wasn't even considering applying or talking to him about the position. He was like, nope, you're doing this. And he really, you know, pushed me out of the nest and saw if I could, <laughs> I could fly before the little baby birdie uh, crashed down to the ground. But um you know, he was just, he was just so supportive and, and, you know, he was on my board of directors because I loved him as a manager and a leader and really challenged me to take on that opportunity I'd never even had considered. And uh, he was just, you know, also so awesome. Like, you know, if we were in a, in a meeting or something and, you know, just so supportive of being a, a new mom, again, without that <laughs> village to raise my baby or my family around, he'd like stop a, a, a team discussion and be like, said, it's 4.30, you have got to go, like, you know, pack it up, and to like, kick me out of the office, and, and send me on my way, and, you know, knew I had to go get the baby or my kids later on, and, um, you know, he, he knew that me leaving early didn't mean I wasn't getting my work done, and, you know, still to this day, I'll never um, forget the, the confidence he instilled in me, his unwavering support, and uh, just a, a nice note, you know, like I said, we still keep in touch, even though he's retired a few years ago, he became a grandpa and he sent me a picture of his, his little granddaughter and um, he, he texted me that her name is Sydney and it's spelled the same way as mine, which is unique oh. with an I. And uh, his words were in the text. He goes, although, you know, she wasn't named after you, which I don't believe that, but uh, although she wasn't named after you, she's, he said, you know, you were certainly a positive influence on the oh. name. So it's just like such, such a nice oh. story. So I'll, uh, I hope, yeah, I hope everyone at some point in their career gets to have a manager like that. It's uh, mm-hmm. so unique. I'm getting goosebumps even talking to you about yeah. him because he was just, he was so fabulous. What an incredible support he was to you during that time, especially like a pivotal moment when you are being young mom, not mm-hmm. really sure what you're doing, kind of questioning your own career choices. And that's incredible. I yeah, think- I mean, he just knew that meant everything to me, right? That I, you know, I, I take on the job, but I was still freaking out about, you know, the, the responsibility of being a mom for the first time that, you know, you got to go, get out. Yeah. <laughs> I love- Everyone else has to stay, but you have to go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that goes back to your earliest point, Sydney, of being your authentic self. So it's okay to have those freakouts and just not know what's going on. But if you are open about that with people, you give them that opportunity to come alongside you versus, you know, shutting out the, you know, coworkers or, you know, putting on a, a front, be like, I've got my life all together. Um, it, it just enables that different layer of work family. Oh, and, and COVID has r- ripped down all those walls. I mean, yes. you know, every... <laughs> 
everyone's seen like the true authentic everything yes. from the the, po- the ponytail to the you know <laughs> children coming in and disrupting every five seconds to yes. you know what you look like with no makeup whatever it might be so I think I think uh, we're, we're all at a better place because of this and that's maybe one benefit from the situation that we're in. Absolutely. I actually had a customer in Pittsburgh in early on in COVID. I was like, well, we can use video cameras if you want. And she goes, absolutely not. I look like a cave woman right now. And it's like my favorite <laughs> comment because I'm like, me too. <laughs> like, I just appreciated that. And I'd never met this woman, but we had such a great virtual relationship that it just cracked me up that that would be the level of uh, trust we could share that like, I appreciate you saying we could use video, but I'm going to tell you absolutely not. (laughs) Back to the questions of getting some um, advice from your board of directors. Although you've gotten good advice from some people, let's kind of flip it. Have you ever gotten what you would think of as poor advice? And how did you take that unfiltered feedback and kind of change it to be something that was constructive and helpful for you? Yeah, so I, I don't know if it was poor advice, but it was um, advice I didn't want to hear. Is that sure? Is that, sure. That in your in your opinion, maybe it was poor. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like that's not what I want you to tell me. Um, so in order to maybe build this up, I'm going to have to introduce a a model that we we use here at Rockwell Automation, and uh, it is my my first and only favorite thing that HR ever uh, brought to our company. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Love you, HR. Um, So this model is called the suitability model. And um, what what it does and what it's given us is a a, um, context to talk about employees and development in, you know, four categories versus what we typically do is just look at that resume, right? So um, the four categories are the first one is which stands for skills, knowledge, experience, and education. And basically, that's what's on your resume. Um, And, you know, I think employees um, tend to place an inordinate amount of importance in this area. So it's not just about what you know and what you've done, right? Um, The other categories are really round out your, bringing your whole self to work and, and how you do it. It's not just the what, it's the how. So the second category is temperament. And temperament is really, uh, if you think about it, it's, it's your nature. It's how you behave. It's your matter of thinking. It's, it's your characteristics of your, your personality, so to speak. Um, the third category is IPC, and that stands for Information Processing Capability. And the, the concept behind IPC is that you know, different jobs um, require different levels of complexity. So different roles maybe may be more short-term versus, you know, short-term results versus more future-focused. Um, you might have to draw conclusions from multiple sources of information and um, you know, maybe manage multiple projects and priorities. So if you can think about different roles that you've had and increasing complexity, that's really a measure of IPC and the ability to do that. And then the last one, which is pretty straightforward, is um, accepting of role requirements. So demands of the role, um, is, there, is there travel involved? Is there people management involved? Is there you know, public speaking, relocation, whatever, whatever that might be. So there's you know, these four quadrants. And so at, at, at one point in my career, maybe 
gosh, six or so years ago, um, I was in a place where I felt like I was crushing it. And I was, um, you know, getting tons of good feedback and, you know, from all over the company and, you know, in a very visible role, you did such a great job, blah, blah, blah. And I just wasn't, you know, at the same time, I'm looking at, you know, who my leadership is, my, my actual manager and, and other roles. I'm like, why is no one asking, why is no one coming to me, the career fairy, to say, you, you're, you're ready, you're ready to go, you know, be a director, you're ready to go be, you know, a president, whatever, <laughs> whatever it might be, I'm, I'm crushing it. And so I used my, my board of directors to be, and this suitability model to really like, let's dig in and help me figure out what's going on here. Like, how, how am I perceived? Because again, I'm getting all this great feedback all the time. What's the, what's the gap? What's, what's the blind spot that I have? And even if it was, you know, going to be painful or surprising, I, I needed to know because I just wasn't, it just didn't feel like I was going anywhere. And um, so what I did is I basically took the suitability model, I assessed myself and I said, what are my strengths and development areas in those four categories? And then took it and had a conversation with several people on my board of directors. And what was intriguing about that is they all said the same thing. And it all kept coming back to that evil quadrant of the IPC. And so again, that's the ability to handle complexity. And, um, you know, I was like, well, my, you know, this role is, is nuts. I'm, I'm doing crazy different things all the time and multiple projects. And, but that's not what they were looking for. It was, and, and so, you know, the hard advice that I got is, you know, Sydney, we, it's not that we don't think that you can, um, you know, handle more complexity. It's just the roles that you've been in really haven't given you that experience. And we we ha really haven't shown it. And so to me, it was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, all right, okay. So whatever job I do next or look for next has got to build out that that quadrant for me. That's where I've got my gap. Mm -hmm. And it was such an epiphany. And so again, hard to hear because I was ready. I'm like, why aren't you promoting me? Hello. Um, to be like, mm -hmm. okay, now how do how do I go and fill that? And so again, using that board of directors, okay, let's, let's talk about some roles that would really give me that experience. So this is where I am. This is what I, what could I do? What I can't, what, what can I do maybe next, right? There's logic there, but what types of roles would really build that out? And so um, I was down to like two jobs of, of things that I wanted. And um, one went, one became open. I put together my summary of strengths. I interviewed the hiring manager first to make sure <laughs> that mm -hmm. it was going to fill my IPC quadrant. And I asked a ton of questions about the, you know, what strategies would I be responsible for and what, type, what was the work like and really dug into that. Yeah. And um, the rest is history. And, and so, I, you know, I, that's, that's how I used it. And it was, it was hard to hear and hard to hear that I wasn't ready, like in the next mm -hmm. job, right, that I still had work to do. But it was so powerful and gave me such clarity as to what that development uh, area was. And I knew what I needed to go do. And then it was up to me to kind of make it happen. Hmm. That's, that's really neat, too. And I feel like all too often is we think, what a negative, right? I'm missing this one area. But in reality, what a strength to find it so you can hone in on this is, this is how I can get to the next level. It was such a gift. Uh, no, no doubt. It was such a gift. And, and, you know, uh, people need to know you well enough to be able to, to do that for you. Right. And, and so that's why, um, you know, 
getting a diverse people on your board uh, mm -hmm. that really get to see you in action and know what you're doing at work. It, you know, they can't be far away. They won't, they won't be able to know that level. And so um, again, I didn't have that with everyone on my board, very specific people that were involved in the Rockwell side. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, I, I think the biggest gift. And if you can figure out what those blind spots are and that you don't, that you don't see that others do, um, that that's where you really can help and develop yourself and your development. That's really neat. So final question, do you have any final thoughts, lasting advice to our listeners as they look to embrace their strengths and really build out a community of, an indiv of individuals to enable them to become their best self? You know, I, I, I said it before, but I think, you know, going through the exercise and writing it down, um, is really helpful, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, 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 you know, you can, you can uh, kick people off your board if they're not providing value and you can add new people in. So it's, it's something that that's going to, it's going to change for different positions. It's going right. to change for different points in your career. Uh, there might be people you carry through, but um, you know, I think you need to look for that diversity, people that know more than you that on um, some topics that maybe are better than you at something that, um, you know, offer different points of view, different perspectives, diversity, uh, diversity of thought, diversity of, of career, um, diversity of, of skills and knowledge. I would, you know, I also think a mix of age and gender is, yeah. is cool too. You don't just want to have all women on your board, certainly. Um, as, you know, since this is a, a, a female focused podcast. Um, but, you know, I think, and also professionals that you admire, um, you know, they, they, they can even be people that you, you don't know professionally and, and people that are just in the industry, like a, a shadow board member of, you know, what would Michelle Obama say, you know, if I asked her this question, mm -hmm. how would she respond, right? right? So, so, you know, you, you can make it whatever you want. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's how you use it and how you leverage it mm -hmm. is, is really up to you and that. Uh, you know, I, I would say I've, I've had the experience of, of doing it and using it successfully. And um, it, it really helped me, um, as we just said, identify development areas that I had that were blind spots and figure out what I needed to go do to continue to grow my career at this company. Oh, and that's so important. And just want to say thank you, Sydney, for joining us and giving us your insights and really helping to clarify what this board of directors and mentorship circles include. Um, I don't know about you, Corinne, but I've got some work to do. Um, yep. I think I need to do some <laughs> self-review and see where my own board of directors lies for mm -hmm. sure. But and your summary of strengths. Yeah. The other and the summary of strengths. Don't forget that one. <laughs> Homework Homework assignment. <laughs> I just went through actually a rev of my um, uh, resume because I just entered a new role and it is hard. I need to get better at, we just yeah. had a conversation with Janine Nielsen uh, that'll come out actually before this one. And um, basically like writing down in the moment successes so that you don't mm -hmm. forget them because it, we get so lax with, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just closed that big order or I led this big event or um, you know, I, I really created a neat strategy for a channel partner and you got to write that down when you do it. Otherwise it'll be forgotten. So that summary of strengths document comes in handy because you've, yes. you're drawing from a, a list you've already created. Yeah. Yeah. Go do that. And I'd also leverage the suitability model mm -hmm. too, you know, and, 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 you know, you can do that right now today, you know, just you, you do it for yourself and do it with your manager, use it for your upcoming performance review or whatever um, you have next. And, 
you know, and they might be able to give you some great advice um, from that and, and help you identify development areas. But again, it's, it's, it's a great other piece and something really tangible that mm-hmm. you can take away and go do. Thank you, Sydney. And we'll, I guess to all of our listeners, we'll talk to you soon. See ya. And we're done. Bye. Bye. And then we're bye. <laughs>